0: It's primary ignition. this is where the fun begins. Yeah! What is up, all of you Ugnats and Jawas out there? And welcome back to yet again another episode of Mando Talk. I am your host, as always, Caleb Keller, and I am thrilled to be recording a new podcast episode for you guys discussing and breaking down andor episode seven titled Announcement. I will definitely share my overall impressions on this episode as we're going throughout the plot and definitely toward the end of this podcast episode, so stick around for that. Of course, as always, we got to do a couple of housekeeping items here off the top. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't done so already for additional content. We always record our podcast episodes and release them to our podcast platforms. So if you check us out there, we greatly appreciate it. But if you want more of me or DJ Foster or anybody that's part of the Mando Talk crew, YouTube is your place. So again, be sure to subscribe to that. We have officially broken our 300 subscriber number, which is extremely exciting. But now we're on to the next goal. Let's go to 400, even 500. And let's see how deep... Our Mando Talkian supporters can go. You can help us get there by sharing, spread the news, do all of those things. Just send a link. Send a link to a buddy, to a family member, and say, hey, if you love Star Wars, these are your guys. Also, if you want some more from me, just personally, follow at Mando Talk on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you ever need a break from Star Wars and you want some other geek related content, follow me exclusively on TikTok at Casual Geek Clips. I do a bunch of just videos there House of the Dragon, uh, Marvel, DC, just anything and everything that's n- not necessarily Star Wars related. Because if it's Star Wars related, it probably finds its way on the mando talk youtube channel but you know if you want to continue to hear me voice some opinions and thoughts on non-star wars things uh there's the place tiktok at casual geek clips all right there's all the plugs let's get into it Andor episode seven announcement let's start breaking this down and as always if i miss something if you're on youtube let me know down in the comments if you're on podcast, hop on over to Twitter and tweet at me, at Mando Talk. But I've got a new feature up and running for our podcast listeners. If you want to be a part of the show, there is always going to be a link in the description for voice messages. You've got a question for me. You've got something that I missed. You just want to be a part of a Star Wars podcast. If you click that link, I believe I'll clearly have it labeled as voice messages. You click that link, it'll take you to a... URL to where you can record in and basically you can just call in a question, a comment, a theory, an observation, just anything and everything Star Wars related, especially things that I miss during these Andor breakdowns. Let me know, and I promise you, as long as it's appropriate to play and put on our airwaves, I promise you I will put you and make you part of the Mando Talk episode. So use that link. Use that link and be a part of Mando Talk. We want to grow our community, and that's a great way to do that. All right, let's get into the breakdown. We open up on Coruscant where we see Surreal is going to a job interview at the Bureau of Standards and is still being hounded by his mother about what he is wearing. Surreal hears about the events on Aldani through a Star Wars television, essentially. I'm loving just these small little details. Never thought of seeing a Star Wars TV. It's possible that we've seen it, but for some reason, it's just catching my eye now because I do a Star Wars podcast. So I gotta break all of those different things down. So that stood out to me. On Coruscant, we continue here for a little bit. Uh, Lauren, is back. We've come to know that Admiral from Clone Wars, Rebels... He's even, obviously, in A New Hope. I don't know, those of you that uh, that are deep sweaties, and what I mean by that is you know everything Star Wars, did they know in A New Hope, when they were releasing the original trilogy, that that Admiral... In the Death Star scene where they were having the meeting, did they know that that was Yularen then, or did they come back and say, that's him? But regardless, it's a massive deal that he's here, and I absolutely love it. He's at the ISB headquarters giving instructions on the Imperial response to the attack on Aldani, and like I said, this is a breakdown, so we're going to break down, and I'm just going to share some direct quotes here. The Empire plans to have a tribute tax equal to five times the amount stolen from Aldani will be levied on any sector harboring partisan activity. Second thing, the use of any local custom, festival, or tradition as cover for rebel activity will trigger permanent revocation of Imperial tolerance. Number three, Yalarn says he spoke with Emperor Palpatine. What a massive moment that is just hearing the name just hearing that name drop it just reminds you of the massive just stakes that are at play here but anyway lauren says he spoke with emperor palpatine the previous night and the emperor has assured him that the isb will be taking the lead going forward. And that is not the only Emperor Palpatine quote or allurement that we get in this episode. Let's keep going. Everyone in the ISB meeting should have full access to Army or Navy resources in the future. The Emperor is calling an emergency session of the Senate to propose new bills and legislation that will allow the ISB to take any measures necessary regarding surveillance, search, and seizure now we did not end up getting to see this emergency session i thought for a second we were going to see ian mcdermott come back as emperor palpatine i still think it's possible and something that i want to point out i've seen on twitter and i know i saw it through rfb rural farm boy on twitter he pointed out that there's a hologram or yeah a hologram display right in the middle of of the ISB office, or headquarters, or meeting room, what a way to incorporate Emperor Palpatine. Just have Ian McDermott come in, and I know it's already been shot, so this won't make any impact to the series, but you could just have Ian McDermott just shoot a scene just like he did with Kenobi, have a holographic message that he's communicating with these ISB officers about, that would be fantastic. We'll see though, maybe that'll be put to good use. Maybe with Emperor Palpatine, maybe with uh, Director Krennic, and even slimmer chances though, maybe Admiral Thrawn. I still think Thrawn's coming in Ahsoka, but um, we'll see. You never know. You never know. Anyway, moving along, the Empire will be invoking the Public Order Resentencing Directive, known as P.O.R.D., or P.O.R.D., any criminal act with an effect on the Empire will be a Class 1 offense. All prison sentences are immediately re-evaluated. All outstanding fines and levies are to be paid in full, which definitely comes into play by the end of this episode. And Dedra begins drowning Yolaren out as she is not happy with these plans and believes it plays into the Rebels' hands. She calls the events in an Aldi- on Aldani an announcement, and not a robbery. So that's where we get our title of this episode, and this is where, I have to admit it, I am beginning to fall in love with Dedra. I've said it off-air to a couple of friends. Dedra is slowly becoming my favorite Imperial officer of all time, and by the time that the season or series is over, I hope she is my favorite Imperial officer of all time. And that'll probably remain the case until we see Grand Admiral Thrawn show up in, uh, in Ahsoka, at least, hopefully. We'll see, hopefully. But yes, I love the fact that Dejra, Dedra literally has all of this figured out. She knows exactly what the Rebel Alliance is trying to do. And she gets it. But everybody else in this ISB isn't necessarily getting it, to say the least. A lot of cool world-building discussion content there inside that conversation. Dialogue delivered by Lauren was fantastic. The Empire is definitely... Well, you could make an argument that it's a necessary reaction or an overreaction, but they are definitely just anchoring down. They're just going to start tightening its grip, and that's, again, that's how we see uh, the events eventually of the original trilogy. It's just fantastic stuff that we're actually getting to see this for a change. Okay, we're still on Coruscant. Mon Mothma arrives at Luthan's shop since she is on her way to the Senate. Mon is asking Luthan if he led the work on Aldani. Mon Mothma is not happy about Luthan taking this risk. Luthen wanted to force the Empire's hand to be more aggressive to ignite the rebellion cause, which will make life more miserable for civilians, but that will make the civilians respond. So again, Dedra predicted this. That's exactly what Luthan Luther wanted and Luther's okay with making life miserable for for people out there because that's going to make people want to join this rebel alliance and rebel idea and start doing it, illegal activity that the Empire views it as at least. Great stuff, great content here, great dialogue, great acting, yet again. This conversation really shows the dirtiness of the Rebel Alliance, in my opinion, and I'm even starting to have questions about how far Luthen will go. Obviously, Luthen will do whatever it takes to make sure that this Rebel cause starts off right, so I'm liking the things that he's doing. It doesn't, it just rubs me the wrong way seeing Mon Mothma being disagreed with, though, because as a Star Wars fan, I'm so conditioned with everything that Mon Mothma says is just fantastic, and everything that she does is fantastic, and Luthen's kind of challenging that a little bit here, so of course that's making me just question Luthan a little bit more, which, great character, great character moments again. It's got me intrigued to see where he his character's headed the rest of the way. Still on Coruscant, Cyril is at his job interview at the Bureau of Standards and gets one at Fuel Purity. The interviewer will help clean Cyril's record of the Ferrix incident. Also, just real quickly, an Easter egg moment here. We see one of those mouse droids. I don't know the exact designation of those droids, but you know, the do-do-do-do, do-do-do-do, you know, that droid that uh, is always going around on the floor on Imperial bases and locations really cool to see that just connecting it all to to this world kyla luthan's co-worker still on coruscant is walking among crowds and begins following markings on the floor which looks like a simple chalk version of the rebel symbol but something that i loved here is it's pointed in the direction that she should travel I am forever going to look at the rebel symbol completely different. That little line that's in the middle, I, at least my interpretation is, at at the beginning of this rebel cause, maybe that's a marking to indicate which direction you should be headed toward, which direction you should be looking. Maybe I'm over breaking that down, but hey, I, I love that that small, subtle addition to something that we as Star Wars fans know so much. Easter egg moment, not really an Easter egg moment, but a great moment. We get our, at least my current remembering, we get our first Stormtrooper, OG Stormtrooper sighting. I can't think of another time that we've gotten one in this Andor series, but it's definitely possible that we have, obviously with the time that we've we've been um, exploring here during the the timeline of the galaxy, if you will. But anyway, that stood out to me. Okay, Dedra requests for attendant Felzonis, who doesn't know how to address Dedra, which I thought was kind of funny, to dig for a multi sector data blend going back two years with a survey pool of Imperial naval. Based and repair facilities. Dedra wants a record of all missing avionics, com, navigation, and targeting equipment for All Star Systems. Dedra needs to, or needs the report to remain confidential. So Dedra's still trying to piece it all together. Again, I love every single scene with this character. Really starting to love this character heavily. She's she's fantastic. All right, we go to Aldani for the first time in this episode, and we see that Cinta is still alive. She's hiding out, and an Imperial Star Destroyer arrives. Now, we haven't seen... W- what that means for this location, I'm sure that's still coming throughout the rest of the way. We do get another Aldani moment, and I'll just real quickly say that. Senta is riding a very cool scooter, and that was the last that we see of Cinta. That's the last that we see of Aldani in this episode. So back on Coruscant, Kyla finds Vel, who is hoping to see Luthan. The money has been moved, and Vel says the trawler, I'm assuming that's the transport that they escaped Aldani on, has been buried. It seems Cinta being left behind was planned. That was a reveal for me, at least. It seems like that's what Luthen had wanted to happen. They needed somebody to stay on Aldani, I guess, and they just decided to roll with Sinta. She reveals that Clem's name is Cassian Andor and instructs Vel to find him and kill him. Again, making me question Luthen. I understand what Luther's thinking here. You got to keep the rebel stuff under wraps. You can't let that leak out. And so Cassian is currently a extended branch, if you will, that is out of control regarding Luther can't control anything that he says or does. So I understand what he's saying, but obviously we don't want that to happen. And we know that's not going to happen, at least until Rogue One. Uh, okay, I already covered the Aldani thing. I skipped ahead just to go ahead and mention that. So that was just sent riding a cool scooter. Ferex. We go back to Ferex. Cassian returns home to his mother. Troopers are now in Ferex instead of pre security. So again, that overextension of the Empire throughout the galaxy is beginning to happen. Cassian is told Tim turned him in and is now dead. Cassian tells his mother he has enough credits for them to leave to go anywhere. And Cassian tells her they will leave first thing in the morning so she can rest and so he can check on Bix. Great character. Again, conversations and dialogue. This series continues to crush that. And I don't know the actress for Marva, Cassian's adoptive mother, but she's phenomenal. And there's even a later scene in this episode that the delivery is just incredible okay we go back to coruscant and this is such an intriguing scene such an intriguing scene mothma is at a dinner party and has a guest from Chan, Chan- i still i still struggle to say this planet Ch- chandrilla his name is tay Kalma or Kolma. colma mothma wants to inform tay about the rebellion but plays it safe keeps that under wraps Lita requests to be dismissed. Perrin is having conversations with over-the-top dressed people. I feel like Perrin's just always finding what he views as the cream of the crop and trying to stir the pot and get Mon Mothma to react and, and care. But I also think he's just trying to be flashy. Tay isn't a fan of the Empire and believes Mothma will find his politics a bit strong for her taste, which Tay is not aware of what Mon Mothma's got going on. Mothma reveals she is putting off a front to make people view her a certain way. That way that she's putting off is polite, sometimes indecisive. Senator who spends her days fighting and failing to protect separatist do-gooders and battle Empire overreach. Essentially an irritation. And then we get a incredible dialogue yet again that i just had to write down quote for quote word for word here so let's dive in mon mothma says it's a lie the mon mothma people think they know it's a lie it's a projection it's a front i've learned from palpatine that line right there gave me chills i've learned from palpatine i show you the stone in my hand you miss the knife at your throat The Grand Vizier has infiltrated my separatist coalition meetings. My driver is an ISB plant and reports on my secret humanitarian programs. They know they watch me and I want that because as long as everyone thinks I'm an irritation, there's a good chance they'll miss what I'm really doing. And she asks about raising money. Oh my goodness. All of that dialogue is just incredible. The reveal that Mon Mothma is playing this front, everything is, nece- seems seemingly everything that she's wanting to do is going the way that she wants it currently, as far as making people believe what she wants them to believe. She's learning from Palpatine. She's, she's doing some things that you would consider, I guess, dirty, if you will, as far as, you know, Acting fake in front of people, but actually doing something to the side that's more meaningful and more impactful. I absolutely love this character. I I love this moment so much. She asks Tay to get access to her family accounts for her and tells him it's for a Chandrillan charitable outreach program. He'll be a chairman and be asked to travel to Coruscant. It will appear to be another irritation of Mothma's. And we leave that scene. Perrin comes in, but who cares about Perrin? We leave that scene, and we're back to Ferex. Cassian makes it to Bix's home, and Bix reveals that everyone is blaming him for what happened on Ferex and the amount of Imperial activity that is there now. Bix tells him to leave. Cassian asks for information on Luthen and tells Bix to let him know to forget about him. Everyone needs to forget about him. It's still unclear how Luthen knows so much about Cassian because Bix didn't inform him. I'm still dying to know that information. How did Luthen know so much about Cassian and nobody knows any information about Luthen? Well, Luthen's just playing the game right because, again, he's trying to stir the pot and start something here with the Rebel Alliance. Cassian gives her 12,000 credits for everything he owed everyone here on Ferex. Then we get a Ferex flashback, and there's actually two of them, but I'm going to go ahead and combine them both here. We see Republic Troopers, now turned Imperial, draw guns on Clem. Then we cut and we come back to this flashback. And we see that Clem is shown hanging, and that a civilian attacks some troopers. I'm assuming that's a younger Cassian, personally. I'm assuming that's a younger Cassian, so obviously Cassian just wrecks these troopers, because there's like four or five of them that got guns drawn on him, but he's just got this spear, half-staff, half-spear kind of thing. And somehow he gets out of it. I mean if it's not Cassian then I'm assuming that kid gets killed. But if it is Cassian I would love to see that flashback continue. Alright. Still on Ferrex. Cassian makes it back to Marva's where she says she is not going with him and this is the great scene from Marva's actress that I was alluring to earlier. She wants to stay there for the rebellion. The events on Aldani give Marva the confidence to walk across Rick's road. She had shared earlier that she wasn't able to because it always reminded her of Clem hanging there. Cassian will be worried about Marva the whole time once they separate and this is where it broke my heart. Marva says that's just love. And man, that again, that hit me. That hit me so hard. I don't know why. Just reminds me of that motherly love. That to, as sons, I just kind of feel like it's a it's a son instinct to just. It, it really kicks you in the face <laughs> whenever your mother expresses so much love for you as a son. At least that's a feeling that I have. And yeah, it was just great. This moment was great. The delivery was great. Seeing Marva getting choked up when she says that's just love. She expresses that she's never loved anyone like she's loved Cass or Cassian. It's just fantastic. I believe that Marva wants Cassian to join the rebellion cause and actually believe in what it's doing. And so I think this is one of those seeds that's been planted in Cassian's mind that's eventually going to make him commit to this idea. Marva tells Cassian to stop searching for his sister and says there were no survivors on Canari. I'm not convinced we're done with that. I still have a feeling Cassian's interested in his sister and finding his sister because I don't see how Marva, from the flashbacks that we've seen, Marva has no evidence of his sister dying and not making it out of Kanari. But maybe she knows more information. Maybe she heard a report about Kanari or something. But I guess we'll we'll wait and see. Cassian leaves, saying he'll be he will be coming back. And Marva picks up a rifle. It looked like as he was walking out. I have a really bad feeling about Marva's outcome. I've, obviously, I think it's highly likely that she doesn't make it out of this series. I'm starting to feel like it's likely that she doesn't make it out of this season. Because maybe that's the finale. Again, that's maybe what makes him commit to the rebel cause, and that's then what we'll be getting in season 2 is a Cassian Andor fully committed but we'll see. All right, we go back to Coruscant. Portuguese is leading an ISB meeting. Ord Mantell is mentioned. I believe we got Ord Mantell as recently as the Bad Batch. So there's a little Easter egg. Blevin claims Dedra is overreaching into other sectors and tattletales that she is requesting confidential information that she doesn't have authority to. Dedra used the Imperial Emergency Act, at least that's what she's saying, in the wake of Aldani to access data without official sanction. Dedra challenges Portugues' former sector lines and claim that the rebels do not care about this. Portuguese asks Dedra for a thesis, and this thesis that Dedra comes up with is there is a focused, organized rebel effort to acquire highly restricted imperial military components. Portugues asks for evidence, and Dedra responds by saying, by accessing undiluted sector crime reports, I can now prove a link between the thefts of our most secret, equipment and its distribution to rebel groups across the galaxy portugase says i'm wondering where we'd be right now if everyone here showed the same endeavor as supervisor miro and portugase ends up awarding dedra's hard work with the assignment of the morlana sector so i highly believe that she is traveling to ferricks very 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 soon and like i said earlier I have never in my life rooted for an imperial so hard as I am for for Dedra. She's literally finding everything out and nobody's just caring to listen to her. And she is, well Portugaise is starting to listen to her. We'll see how that how that plays out. But gosh, again, maybe the third or fourth time I've said it, fantastic stuff with with Dedra. Okay, Portugase tells Dedra to watch her back. Got me feeling nervous about Dedra for sure. And then we go to a new location, and we get a total tone shift here. I don't know how to pronounce this location. It's spelt N I A M O S. It popped up on the screen for us. Niamos. That's 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 how I'm going to say it at least for the remainder of this podcast episode. Niamos on Niamos. Cassian going as Keith is living with Wendy. Uh, a Wendy. It seems like they've known each other for a while. So. I'm believing there's like a little bit of a time jump here. I don't think it was like a little one night stand or anything. Because he's got a pistol and Nemec's manifesto stashed away in a case. So make sure you didn't miss that. Go back and watch that if you did miss it. He's got Nemec's manifesto in that case. He's obviously keeping up with it. We don't know if he's read it. But it's still with him. I still think that's going to be a plot device. Which by the way, Cassian's name here, Keith I can't help but think of, you know, back when I was, I think I was in high school, there was this rapper, Chief Keef. Yeah, that's immediately what I thought of. It was kind of funny. It kind of took me out of it for a second, but it it was okay. It was all good. It just made me chuckle. Still on this location, we see a a shore trooper. A, A shore trooper is spotted chasing criminals, at least what the Empire views as criminals. And again, I love shore trooper armor. I think it's top tier. I wish we could see more. And hopefully, now that, well, I'm skipping ahead, but hopefully now that we know where Cassian is by the end of this episode, we see even more shore troopers. Can't wait for that. Imperial probe droids are also surveying the area. A shore trooper interrogates Cassian as several KX units approach with civilians, just tossing them left and right, in which, by the way, if you didn't know, KX units are the same units as K2SO, so my question here is, is it possible that one of these, specifically the one that ends up choking Cassian, turns into K2SO? Obviously, it's going to have to be reprogrammed for that to happen, but that's, that was my immediate thoughts. I mean, the showrunners know exactly what they were doing when they did that. They know that you're going to think of Rogue One and Cassian's connection with K2 in that film when they showed these droids. So it's highly likely that one of them turns out to be K2SO. It's also highly likely that that's not the droid that turns into k2so because we've also seen as recently as the book of boba fett that those units were on mandalore during you know the empire destroying that location so maybe it's just connected world building here of just the empire uses those droids quite frequently especially when it comes to like heavy action moments they got those droids everywhere it seems like now so We'll see. We'll see. But regardless, the showrunners run- show knew exactly what they were doing with putting those KX units here in this scene and in this in this moment. Cassian ends up standing trial as Keith Kurgo. And then when I heard the full name, I thought Keith Kurgo sounds like a ripoff of Grief Karga somehow that we see later in The Mandalorian. That, that was cool. I, it, I'm Mando talk. I had to bring that up. Had to connect this back to the Mandalorian somehow. And Cassian is given a six-year sentence, which threw me off. But again, connecting back to earlier in the episode, I'm trying to scroll back in my notes here, Yalaren, one of the things that he said, I'm trying to find the direct quote is the fact that any criminal act with an effect on the Empire will be a Class 1 offense. I don't think we're there with this, but he also says all prison sentences are immediately reevaluated, And I believe in this moment it says something about how it was like a six-month sentence or maybe even a six-week sentence or something like that. But Cassian is given a six-year sentence. So these ISB ideas that Yularan presents to the ISB officers earlier in the episode have already made their way across the galaxy, again showing the impact that the Empire has. Great stuff here. Great stuff. And then we go back to Coruscant. This is a very weird ending to this episode. I, personally, I'm thinking. Surreal is on the day job crunching fuel numbers, I'm assuming, because you know he's in fuel purity. He's in that division. We zoom out. We show that he's basically just got a Star Wars cubicle job, and that was it. Weird way to end, but that makes me think that Surreal is going to continue to be very important as we move forward. And I don't know how he's going to end up connecting back to the larger story, but it's definitely coming at some point. Just don't know when or, like I said, how. There it is. There's the Episode 7 breakdown titled Announcement. But as far as my overall thoughts go, I still feel like I really enjoyed Episode 6 the most so far. That was the I. That was the most recent, before this one obviously, uh, most recent episode. And I just did a podcast breakdown of that one. That one, if you're watching on YouTube, that one was a podcast exclusive. So go to either Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts to listen to that. I feel like that was a great podcast episode. It was me again solo, but I, I, you know, I'll pat myself on the back a little, I guess. I don't like to do that, I have to admit. But I feel like that breakdown was pretty good, so go check that out if you haven't. But anyway, episode 7. Although it hasn't been my favorite episode of the show so far, it was yet again another phenomenal episode. This show, while admittedly early on was taking it slow and setting everything up. Now that it took those slow moments to set everything up, this show is clicking on all cylinders. The world building, the meaningful dialogue, the interesting conversations that Mon is a part of, the interesting conversations that are occurring with, with Dedra and the ISB officers, and the Cassian stuff is, is still phenomenal. Now, I do have to say, I guess if I had a critique of this one episode, it's the fact that... The Cassian Andor scenes are probably for me the weakest part of this episode but I'm not saying that those scenes were weak I still loved those those moments but it was just I was so dialed in and locked in with things that were happening with Dedra and with Mon Mothma and Surreal that I didn't want to leave those moments and then when we got to Cassian it felt slower paced until we got to that second conversation that he had with Marva when it got emotional and then I was like okay yeah this is why we keep focus I mean we're going to keep focusing on Cassian because it's his show but I was like okay that's that's why we've been doing this this episode but yeah I'm so locked in with everything going on across the board Cassian storyline maybe took a little bit of a step back this this week with this episode but that's just me trying to come up with something to be critical of phenomenal episode like if I was giving it a score I would say this was like a 9.5 last week's episode for me was a 10 out of 10 so that's the difference that we're talking about here so not trying to be negative or anything like that just offering up some some overall thoughts, some things that are that are on my mind with and or episode seven titled announcement. Well, there you go. There's my breakdown. There's my overall thoughts. I've mentioned all the plugs at the top. I'll mention them again here. If if you're here at this moment, then hopefully you're enjoying what what we're doing here at Mando Talk. So. To you know, show some appreciation, maybe for what we're doing. Hop on over to YouTube, subscribe to that platform if you haven't already. Help us get to our next goal of 400 subscribers. Make us Mando Talkians be 400 deep. Let's get to that goal. Follow us on socials at Mando Talk, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Follow me exclusively on TikTok at Casual Geek Clips for non-Star Wars related content. And yeah, there you go. There you have it. There's Andor Episode 7 Breakdown. Let me know what you thought of this episode in the comments on YouTube. Hop over to Twitter. Let me know there. You can DM me or you can just tweet me. And again, use that voice messages link that's in the description to be a part of Mando Talk. You got a question about Andor. I'll put it in next week's show, next week's episode, next week's breakdown. You got just an overall Star Wars question that you've always wanted to hear an answer of mine to. Put that in the voice message link. Just anything and everything Star Wars related, drop it there. Be a part of Mando Talk and tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend about us. All right, time for me to get out of here. I hope you have a great remainder of your week. Head into the weekend strong. Watch Andor a thousand more times because this show, admittedly, hasn't been getting viewed as much as it deserves. This is fantastic television. It's time for us Star Wars fans to show Lucasfilm some appreciation and watch the heck out of this thing. So if no one else is going to do it, it's up to us. Watch it five times at the minimum. There's your homework. Every single episode, play it through five times. All right, there you have it. Mando Talks, Episode 7 Breakdown. Let me get out of here. As I always say, we have spoken.